Welcome to Relax, Relate, Reflect About Big Questions with Daniel Bernardus. Today we're listening to an audio recording of a lecture by Marcel Canois at Amsterdam University College. Marcel has been a fly on the wall at Rabobank for two years. He had full access to the bank at all levels and wanted to answer the question, what has changed after the crisis? He has come up with an answer that avoids both easy external criticism and the bank's own marketing story. Even though his book was written in Dutch, his lecture makes its key points available to an English-speaking audience. The lecture has been split up into three episodes. In the first episode, Marcel introduces the genesis of the project and the methodology he followed. The second episode contains his main findings, and the third contains answers to the questions from the audience. You're now listening to the third episode with a Q&A session. Please know that this is copyrighted material, you are free to share this file as it is, but not to modify, shorten or copy it in any way. We actually appreciate it if you share this file with friends, family or colleagues who might be interested. For more relax, relate, reflect about big questions, visit danielbernardus.com. But now on to the lecture. Thanks for tuning in to the Q&A session about the Bank of Good Intentions by Marcel Canois. Because the questions themselves were not captured well enough on the audio recording, I will dub them from the studio. Someone in the audio asked, have you contacted ING, one of the banks you contacted initially, after you published your book? Afterwards. No, but rumor goes that they are jealous. <laughs> rumor goes that they are jealous. The Rabo people have told me that uh, their colleagues at ING and uh, I think, wow, we should have done that. And I asked them, but they didn't want to do it. Hmm? So that becomes a second project. Well, I'm not sure what my next project will be. I never know this. I don't plan these things. I believe in serendipity. So something should happen, and maybe it's this, and maybe it's something else. I'm not sure. Other questions? A second question went like this. I read the book of Joris Luijendijk, Dit kan niet waar zijn, or This Can't Be True, about banks in London. The newspaper article about your book in the Dutch newspaper NRC refers to him saying that banks are amoral. But what I get from Luijendijk's book is something else. What is fundamentally flawed, according to him, is the banking system. There are perverse feedbacks in the system which make that people who want to act according to the rules end up doing horrible things. You mentioned a little bit of that, saying that it's difficult to push the right button. Do you then agree with that statement that there are some perverse systems in place that still need changing? The problem with Leijendijk is he makes two mistakes, three mistakes. First of all, he's overdoing it. What he's done, he has interviewed people in a certain sub-sector of the bank, namely the city. And not only the city, but the investment banks in the city. Now, these are the most aggressive, horrible institutes. You cannot comp And then he draws conclusions, and he draws conclusions on all the banks, of which he knows nothing, because he hasn't spoken to them. So I think this is the first mistake, is that he draws conclusions, which you cannot draw from the data or the information that he had acquired. The second thing is, that he makes extreme statements, like people are immoral. That's a very strong statement to make. Amoral, or no, sometimes you use amoral, sometimes immoral. What does he mean? That people can do right or wrong things depending on the system? Well, if he means that, but in interviews he goes much further than that. He thinks that there are crooks. But if he means that, then I would agree. And I would even think that the Rabobank people are really, they want to do good things. But they don't succeed. And here, we have a common ground. There are perverse incentives in the system. The only thing is, they are not as perverse as they were 10 years ago. So 
well, is this good news or bad news? That depends on whether you believe in half empty or half full glasses. I would say it's better than they were, but it's certainly not right. In that sense, uh, and I would really like to have a debate with Leijendijk or with Rutger Bregman, who is in the correspondent. He writes in The Guardian, Rutger Bregman, the banks do not create any welfare in the economy. They only subtract welfare. It's absolutely outrageous statement of which there is zero evidence. I'm happy to discuss with these guys. And because I think the good points that they want to make, they are lost on me if you cover it in language, which is outrageous, flawed statement. I am too scientific for that. I don't want to hear outrageous statements and then think, oh yes, but the tense of this statement may be true. Why do you do that? It's not my style. You wanted to ask a question, Roy? Roy Giegengak asked, you call yourself an amateurish anthropologist. No, not amateurish. Amateur. Amateur. Yeah, that's right. I wonder why. Because you've done ethnography. That's very good. And ethnography is not owned by anthropologists. No, that's true. Well, I'm not known for my modesty. So I thought, let's try to be modest for once and not claim to be an anthropologist, which I'm not. I cannot claim to have knowledge on how anthropologists do their work. So I improvise. And so that's why I think it's fair to call me an amateur. Maybe if anthropologists think that this is what they should do, then I'm a good amateur. I think it's exactly what an anthropologist should do. No, no, good. Well, then, then, and then yeah. Okay, no, I'm happy to hear that. But I didn't know that, for instance. But I just did what I thought sounded... I didn't study anthropology and then decided this is the thing to do. I just did it because I thought this sounds like a good idea. There have been more anthropological studies about banks. Yes, I have read one of them. Funny difference between... The book, as is a Swiss book, and mine, is that in this Swiss book, everything is anonymous. And in my book, everybody in my book is, is with their names in the book. Yeah. They all agreed. It's unusual. Which makes it much more fun, of course, because you read about bank X, where people Y behave in a certain way. That's the only way in which he was allowed in that bank. Of course, much more fun. If like I said, this is the Rabobank and this is Mr. X. It's not Mr. X, it's Mr. Roy Giegerak. Eh? Who doesn't work for the Rabobank, but okay. I happen to know his name. So there was another thing. Roy then started to talk about the example where Marshall went from a fly on the wall to actively interfering with the case. He thinks that's on occasion a good idea because he learned a lot from what happened. This lady had to make 200 phone calls for something he could do very fast. Absolutely. Now, one email, actually. And it was solved, solved in 10 minutes. Of course, because they realized that they couldn't afford not to solve it. And, and anyway, the case was clear-cut. Anyway, it was not... I mean, on substance, this was not a controversial yeah, call. She made 200 phone calls for these people. More than 200 phone calls. So there's something more going on here. Well, let's get this straight. She didn't make 200 phone calls to do what I did. But she needed to make these phone calls because... That was before the solution, eh? because first of all, she phoned the municipality. What is going on here? Can you not uh, be more reasonable to these people? Then there were neighbors who were in a similar situation. There were lawyers involved. There were real estate agents involved. And so she made all these phone calls because these people were in a very bad state. And so she made all these phone calls. And then she decided, this is it. I'm going to do this. This she decided. And then she had trouble in selling this what she thought was a decent thing to do internally. 
to her colleagues. Her boss was fine, the boss of her boss was fine, but then other people started to treat her badly, and at some stage, I was involved. Of course, a power game. I knew absolutely sure if I push on this button, these people will be, these people are very happy with me, yeah. But I don't think, but maybe you have a different opinion. I would not feel comfortable if I would have done that more often. Because then I think that we are going to mingle your role as a researcher and as an observer with actually interfering with their business. Which but here you had an ethical obligation. In this particular case, yes, that's why I did it. What about the knowledge you gain by interfering? What do you think about that? Well, that, that's why as a researcher, I also like the fact that I intervened once, but not more. Uh, because it shows you that, I mean, it was shocking that I had to do that. And it means that if I, if I wasn't there, I mean, there was no Rabo book, there was no Marcel Canois doing this, maybe these family would have been treated badly by them because apparently this was needed. And it was even the banker that asked me to do this, which makes it more crazy. And because the reasons why I was asked to do that tell you a lot about internal procedures, which are basically not right, because it's ridiculous. In the end, I was happy with the case as a writer of the book. I was not happy that it happened. It was terrible. I mean, these people were, these people were already being harassed by the municipality and then by the bank again. And it was even, I mean, if you, there's really strange things. So everything was right. And then at the very end, a phone call by a banker who didn't do his homework. And he tells this person who has this company and has a teaching job. And he wants to quit the teaching job to make full, full time for his company. So the guy says, why don't you call yourself ill? which is illegal because you cannot say that you're ill if you're not. Now, a banker, because it's often easier for the bank because then he gets his money. But that's foul play. I mean, and this person, they said, what? Are you trying to convince me that I should break the law? This is outrageous. So these things happen. It's crazy. Very good. Call it a day? Yeah. Well, of course, should you be so enthusiastic that you want to buy my book, I have a few copies with me. I can sign it. If not, you're fine people too. So that's, there's no, I won't hold it against you. This was the third episode in which Marcel Canois answered questions about his book, The Bank of Good Intentions. For more relax, relate and reflect about big questions, visit danielbernardes.com and sign up for the free newsletter there. Feel free to share this file as is with friends, family and colleagues. Thanks for listening.